In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Dear faithful, on this Sunday, traditionally, the church has always looked to the new season, which is fast approaching, that of Advent, the preparation for the great feast of Christmas. And there used to be read, as the epistle, the following passage from the prophet Jeremiah's. The Lord liveth, who brought up the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt. But the Lord liveth, who hath brought out and brought here the seed of the house of Israel from the land of the north and out of all lands to which I had cast them forth, and they shall dwell in their own land. This passage is equally applicable to the conversion of the Jews and the restoration of Israel, which are to take place at the end of the world. Holy Mother Church is so intent on paying her debt of supplication, of prayer, and thanksgiving that we find her giving thanks also for the salvation of the children of Israel. These, she knows, are one day, in the last days, to be united with her. And as their remnants are to be saved at the end of the world, so on the last Sunday of the year, she delights at having them, just as though they were already her members. In the introit, calling to mind the prophecies concerning them, she thus sings every year, My thoughts are thoughts of peace and not of affliction. Truly, God's thoughts are those of peace, for he promises to admit to the church, to the Catholic church, the Jews, who are his brethren according to the flesh, thus realizing what had been prefigured in the history of the patriarch Joseph in the book of Genesis. The brothers of Joseph, having sold him, came to him when they were tormented by hunger, for then he ruled over the whole land of Egypt. Despite what they had done to him, he recognized them, and he received them, and he made together with them a great feast. So, too, our Lord was now reigning over the whole earth and is giving the bread of life, the Holy Eucharist, his body and blood, in abundance to all men, will see coming to him in the end of days the remnants of the children of Israel. He whom they denied and put to death will admit them to his favor, will give them a place at his table, and the true Joseph our Lord will feast delightedly with his brethren. Turning to the epistle of this Mass, we find the, these words of St. Paul, And I entreat thee also, my sincere companion, help those women who have labored with me in the gospel, with Clement and the rest of my fellow laborers, whose names are in the book of life. And at the time when St. At the time when St. Paul was writing to the Philippians, St. Clement was one of the followers of the apostles. These, of course, were called to perpetuate the flock confided to their care by the pattern of holy living, and that not so much by their zealous teaching as by the force of their good example. The church, the one true bride of the divine word, was known by the incommunicable privilege of possessing within her the truth, not only its dead letter, but its ever-living self, and this by her holiness, 
The Holy Ghost has reserved to the Catholic Church the treasure of tradition, which transmits surely and fully from one generation to another the word of God, Christ, who is light and life. This tradition is kept up by the truth and holiness of Christ. They are ever existing in his members. They they are ever tangible and visible in the church. Holiness, which is inherent in the church, is tradition in its purest and strongest form, because it is the truth not only preached, but manifested in action and in work, as it was in the life of our Lord, and as it is in God. Holiness is the deposit which the disciples of the apostles had the mission to hand faithfully down to their successors, just as the apostles themselves had received it from the Word, who had come down to earth. St. Paul thus did not content himself with entrusting just dogmatic teaching to his disciple, St. Timothy. He said to him, be an example to the faithful in word and in living. He said as much to St. Titus when he said, show thyself an example of good works in doctrine and in integrity of life. And he repeated to all, clergy and faithful alike, Be ye followers of me, as I also am of Christ. He sent St. Timothy to the Corinthians that he might remind them, or where it was necessary, might teach them not only the dogmas of the gospel, but likewise his ways in Christ, that is, his manner of life. This manner of life of the apostle was, in a certain measure, his teaching everywhere and in all the churches. And he praised the faithful of Corinth for their being mindful to imitate him in all things, which was a keeping of the tradition of Christ. The church, we must understand, is a magnificent temple. It is built up to the glory of God by the living stones which let themselves be set into its walls. The constructing of those sacred walls and on, the, and on the plan laid down by Christ is a work which each of us are permitted to share in. What one does by word, another does by good example. But both build, both edify the holy city. As it was in the apostolic age, so always, example is more powerful than word. Unless that word be backed up by the holiness in him who speaks it. But as the, giving edif- as the giving edification to those around him is an obligation incumbent on every Christian, an obligation imposed by b- both the charity he owes to his neighbor and by the zeal he should have for the house of God, likewise he should seek his own edification in the virtuous conduct of others, those he surrounds himself with. To do this, of course, requires great discernment, great discernment in the choice of the company one keeps. The reading of good books, the study of the lives of the saints, the observing of those holy people whom he knows, all of this will be of incalculable aid to him in the work of his own personal sanctification. This devout association with the elect of earth and heaven will keep us away from the men who are the enemies of the cross of Christ and who bind earthly things, who
who put their happiness in carnal pleasures. It will make our conversation in heaven. Preparing for the day, which can now not be far off, the day of the coming of our Lord, we shall stand fast in him despite the falling off of so many amongst us, who by the current of the world's fashion are hurried on to perdition, to hell. The troubles and sufferings of the last times will but intensify our hope in God. Please God, for they will, they will make us long even more ardently for the happy day when our Redeemer will appear and complete the work of the salvation of his servants by imparting to their very flesh the brightness of his own divine body. Let us, as the Apostle says, be of one mind in the Lord. And then, as he bids his dear Philippians, let us rejoice in the Lord always, for the day of his coming is near. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, Amen.